guys I have to say right now I have to say right now okay Danny was talking about God's love and loving and speaking truth and love right now in the Graham's worship set was all about well it's about God but it's about his love wasn't it now you're gonna you're gonna think we coordinated something here wish we get to the first slide because it's basically the same thing it's almost like we called and coordinated this well we didn't did we did we talk about this, Danny and Graham, about, about today's message? No. But, but the cool thing is, we don't have to always. Now, it's important to communicate. It's always important to talk. Because that's where frustration comes from, from not communicating. But it's kind of cool to know that when God shows up, he doesn't need us <laughs> to speak to another. God will get things done his own way, um, in his own, you know, kind of style and method sometimes. And that's awesome. And so today really is about God's love. And I'm thinking, just from just seeing what we were singing about, again, I didn't know the set until Graham sent to me yesterday, and I really didn't look at it. I just printed it. And then Danny, what she said this morning about God's love, I think God wants us all to embrace the fact that he loves us. I mean, am I not, are we not in agreement? In fact, let's go right to the first slide. Right to the very first slide. Okay, guys, with the gospel, we talk about what does that mean, the gospel? That's the message of the church. That's the message that God gave. And that's what the church is all about, explaining, talking, receiving the gospel. The gospel means good news. Okay, so just stop and embrace that. Good news. I mean, we're living in a world filled with bad news. Good news. And the thing is, we're going to see today that Paul and Barnabas, who are just walking around town sharing good news, actually get beat up for it. Now, think about that. Think about that for a second. It's like, I mean, if there's anything to beat you up for, it certainly isn't for giving good news. You know, I got good news. Your football team won. Oh, let me give you a doing. It seems weird, doesn't it? But, but just think about what the gospel is, what God, what God has done for us. It's good. It's something to be happy about. It's something to be glad about. Okay, look at, okay, first of all, in Acts, we've already talked about how you have to, first of all, think God is real. If you say that there is no God, then, then, then there's nothing but despair. If you say there is no God, then there's just despair. But if God is real, that's a beginning point. Second of all, when you look at history, we see that God interacts. He interacts with people. He uses prophets, like Moses and Abraham, you know, he uses people, prophets, people, the church. You know, he interacts with people. He does miraculous things. In fact, we're going to see here, again, that God uses miraculous things for the purpose of him to be known. In 1 John 4, 7, it says about God's love. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Okay? Embrace that. The good news. 
God is love. God loves you. John 3.16, God loved the world. Not just you, but the people of the world. He gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. See, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Okay, A lot of people think, oh, you know, what's this Jesus and this God stuff? It's all about, you know, being judged, being condemned. No, you already stand at that place. And that's what verse 17 of John 3 says, is all about. He did not come to condemn you, but to save you, to save the world. You see, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. You understand what that means already? That means like you're, without God and his love, there's no hope for us. We're condemned. So rejecting him isn't going to save you. All it does is it confirms your state. See, God came, or God sent Jesus, to save, to rescue, because he loves Okay, it's like, it's, like, it's like if I were drowning and someone threw me a, a life preserver you know, from a boat and says, hold on. No, because if I don't hold on to this, I will die and it's your fault. Wait, but you're going to die. I'm here to help you grab on and you'll be saved. But no, because I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it a different way. Okay. I mean, is that not just stupid? God loves us. He saved us. We were already drowning. He rescued us. Next slide, please. Shaking feet. Shaking feet. As opposed to shaking hands. You shake hands when you say hi to someone. You shake their feet when you say goodbye if they don't listen to you. We'll see what I mean by that in a second. Acts 13. So we are in Acts 13, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Acts 13, starting at verse 40, yeah, 49. Acts 13, 49 says this. If you agree it together with me, please. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. Okay, if you guys remember correctly, he, um, Paul and Barnabas are on a missions journey, and they're, they've made their way you know, up to what's modern-day, like, south-central Turkey. So it was, it was referred to that in the biblical times as, as, as Asia Minor. So up to, towards Galatia. They're making their way up. I, I, well, I'll, I'll show you a map later. But they're, they're traveling about. And they're sharing the gospel. The good news. Like I just explained it just two seconds ago. Okay. And the whole words, the words being spread. This is okay. Fantastic. Good news. But verse 50. Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing woman of high standing and the leading men of the city. I believe this is actually them in Antioch, um, up in, in, in Asia Minor, in Antioch. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. Okay? So, again, if you remember from last time, there were, they actually had a great response. A lot of people, both Jews and Gentile alike, heard the word and they received it. And they were actually invited to come back to share some more. So they actually had pause. But however, there were these jealous folk who didn't like the attention that, that, that Paul Mars were getting. They wanted to be listened to. And they didn't want Paul and Barnabas to be acknowledged in their message. So, they, so it was just out of simple jealousy. And again, it's funny. 
Good news. I got good news for you, by the way. You're drowning, you're dying, and you know it, but however, you're, you're, you're saved through Jesus Christ. It's a free gift. Ah, oh, no, I don't like that. Jealousy. It does weird things, doesn't it? But that's what happened, because the jealousy, they hated Paul and Barnabas, and they stirred up trouble and caused them to leave the region. And so they did this funny thing. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. You guys know the term... Um, Shaking the feet is very similar to that. I washed my hands of the situation, which is funny because that comes from the Bible as well. Does anyone know the story where that comes from? That's what Pilate did after he condemned Jesus. He took a big bowl and washed his hands of him. Okay? The whole idea of this is I take no responsibility of this. For instance, David Cameron washed his hands of the, of the Brexit by resigning. I have to take no responsibility of this. I'm out of here. That's a, you know what I'm saying? So, so the idea, I take no responsibility for the choice of the people or for what's going on here. That's what the idea of dusting your feet, washing your hands, etc., etc. I take no responsibility. So they came, they gave a message, people received, but yet now as, as a group, this, 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 the town, as a group, they say, we don't want you here no more. Leave. And so they did this. See, well, we've done our job. Whatever seeds were planted, I I hope and pray that God would bless those seeds and they would grow. But we have to go. And we would like to stay, but you're kicking us out, so we have to go. And this is the instructions that Jesus gave the disciples in Matthew 10, 11. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. You go into a place as a missionary, you know, to here the missions were quick and fast. Go to town, 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 spread the gospel as fast as possible. But you come in, you find a cool person, you hang out with them at their home, you have a nice time with them, tell them about Jesus, share the word. As you enter the home, give your greeting. Hey, handshakes. Hiya, how you doing? If the home is deserving, i.e. it's peaceful, it's agreeable, let your peace rest on it. So make yourself at home. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you. Again, I think the idea is don't stress out. Okay? If you go into someone's home and they don't want to hear your Jesus, don't stress out. You're not responsible for the decision. You're responsible for the message. If they don't want to hear it, I, 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 but the reason why I'm saying it, guys, is as a minister, I, I get stress, I get headaches, because why don't you hear the gospel? Why don't you hear the gospel? Why don't you receive the gospel? How can you resist it over and over and over again? And it makes me angry. But God's saying, you've done what you have to do. Don't stress yourself out. If they don't want to hear it, you don't have to force it down their throat. I've never asked you to do it. I never expect you to do it. Just move on. Simple as that. You give the message, they have to decide what they're going to do with it. If they don't want it, move on. Truly, I tell you, speaking of a town, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment for that town. Next slide, please. But here's a cool thing, guys. Because sometimes I think about this with our mystery and shots. Because sometimes I feel like the whole town's against Jesus. <laughs> I, I do. Sometimes I'm like, this whole town hates Jesus. And I can't handle it no more. I'm going to dust my feet. And, and Jesus says I have the right to do that. But the thing is, and we're going to find out in a, after the end of this Bible study, that actually Paul and Barnabas return to this town. They return. Why? Because of this verse right here. There were disciples being made. 
And that's good news. The work of the ministry is hard. Preaching the gospel, bringing the good news is difficult. In fact, it's life-threatening, as we're going to see in a moment. But look what happens. Disciples are being made. Disciples, even though they were kicked out of town, they left disciples. Disciples, you know what that means. Students of Jesus, followers of God. And they're filled to make full, to fill up, to fill, to the full, to cause to abound, to furnish, to supply liberally. I am liberally supplied to render full, to complete, to fill to the top, so that nothing shall be wanting to full measure. Okay, we get the idea. (laughs) They were completely filled with joy. Joy. Gladness. Gladness. I'm glad. I'm glad that God loves me. Isn't that today's topic? God loves me? God, people hear that God loves them. A lot of times they say, yeah, whatever. I'm going to go somewhere else and do something else. I'm not bothered with your God that loves. Okay. For me, the, to, to, to hear that God loves me gives me great joy or gladness. I'm very happy about that. Thank you. I'm glad to know that God loves me because I certainly don't want God to hate me. And the fact that God loves me gives me great joy and gladness. In fact, a lot of people don't even know how God feels about them. Some people think that God doesn't have feelings for them. Some people say that God can't have feelings for them. But to know that God does have feelings for me and that it's love, yeah, I'm going to be filled with joy or gladness. They're not only filled with joy or gladness, but they're also filled with Holy Spirit. Panoima, especially in terms with the Holy Spirit, speaks of the third person, the triune God. The Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal with the Father. And when I see the Holy Spirit, I can't help but to think of God dwelling with us. Okay? Again, God who interacts. How does he interact with us? He uses his Holy Spirit. He uses Jesus, who came physically as a person. But he also now uses Holy Spirit. And he can touch me as a physical being in my physical world. And that's how God's power is realized today. In our ordinary life, is through His Holy Spirit. And I like to think of it that way. When I think of the Holy Spirit, I'm not thinking about some kind of miscellaneous, you know, personality of God. No, I'm thinking about God interacting with me. God interacts with me. I talk to God. You know, God fills me with power and strength and courage and wisdom. God does things like how we were talking about earlier today, how he uses Graham and Danny and me just happens to just pick a theme of love. We didn't organize it, but that's God's Holy Spirit interacting with us. At least that's what I think. It happened. Sometimes referred to as a way which emphasizes personality and his character, that it's holy. Sometimes referred to in a way that emphasizes the work as power, um, like the spirit of truth. Never, however, referred to as a depersonalized force. Again, it's not a depersonalized force, like some kind of oof. You know, like, like, I don't know, like, like some kind of like force, like a Jedi trick, you know. No, it's a person. And it's his personality interacting with other persons like you and like me. Next slide, please. So we move on. Because now that they're kicked out of town, they have to go somewhere else. And so we have this debacle at Iconium. And by the way, there's a lot of debacles going on here. This is the most saddest chapter in the whole Acts. And so we start in verse 1. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogues. There they spoke so effectively, again, because God's with them, not because they're talented and great, you know, people, but because God's power is with them. A great number of, of 
Everyone, Jew, Greeks, believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles. And we know what Gentiles mean. It means it's ethnos, the people of the world. A multitude of individuals, same nature, genus, the human family, a tribe, nation, people. That's what it refers to. In a real simplistic sense, I like to think of it as other types of people, people who aren't Jew. So when we talk about Jew and the Gentiles, what you're simply talking about is all the people of the world. Everyone, everyone, everyone. I don't care where you're from, who your family is, everyone. So, so basically what I'm trying to say here is, is this isn't just the Jews who are being naughty. It was the Jews and the Gentiles being naughty. And so the, the Jews refusably strip other Gentiles and poison their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly. I like this. God gave them the strength to be bold to, to persist through this resistance for the Lord, who confirmed the message. Okay, again, confirming the message. Okay, God interacts, I, we said before, and one way he does it is by miracles or signs of wonders. What does it take for a person to see God doing, you know what I'm saying, um, amazing things, but still say, nah. It, 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 it boggles the mind. So here it is, they're speaking boldly for the Lord. God's confirming the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. And the people of the city were yet still divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot. I like that word, afoot. Reminds me of Sherlock Holmes. Among both the Gentiles and the Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them, i.e. to kill them. But they found out about it and fled um, to um, the Lyconian cities of Lystria and Derbe. So their time in Iconium was fairly brief. They went and did amazing things. And I'm sure in the hearts they would like to have stayed longer. But there was hostility stirred up against them and they had to leave. And they left to these Lyconian cities, Lystria, Derby, which we're going to see in just a moment, and the surrounding country, so just different areas, where they continued to preach the gospel. Next slide. That takes us to the next place, the debacle at Lystria. And this one is a real debacle. This is crazy. In verse 8, in Lystria, they, there sat a man who was lame, okay? You know, you guys familiar with stories of, of people who are like this, who need healing. And usually, put in your mind your experiences through Matthew and Acts, and when someone gets healed, what usually happens? Usually they get, wow, people, they give their attention to the apostles, and they hear the good news of the gospel, and they respond positively, right? That's usually what happens. Like, wow, God's great. You guys are obviously representative of God. Tell us about God. Now, this is very unique, because something completely different happened. Now, bear in mind, they're outside of Judea, outside of Israel, as we know it. And they're up, like you said, like quite far up into what's now central, modern-day Turkey. <laughs> and the response they get here is quite different. So here's a lame guy. He's been lame since birth, never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking in verse 9. Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed. <laughs> Poor Paul. I wonder if he thought, why does Peter never get things like this happen to him? Well, you'll see why in a moment I'm saying this. Poor Paul. Gosh, I... Anyways, he called out, stand up on your feet. And at that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Again, he's probably feeling like, hey... I like this. Now I know why Peter likes doing this so much. But Peter gets a different response than Paul, unfortunately. 
verse 11. So when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down from us in human form. Again, rather than asking them a, a, a theological truth, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, you guys have favor with God. Please tell us. Instead, they jumped to their own conclusions. Oh, you did amazing things. You must be from gods. You must be from the God that we like, like Zeus and Hermes. And that's exactly what happened. Barnabas, they called Zeus. And Paul, they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priests of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. Oh, no, no, you don't get it, guys. You don't get it. Again, jumping to your own conclusion. Wow, amazing things happened. Let's tell you, messengers of God, about God. No, 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 no. Why don't you just shut up and listen to the message? Poor Paul, poor Barnabas. But when the apostles, or possibles, when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out of the city. They were shocked. Like, no, 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 you totally don't get it. Why don't you listen to the message? No, we're not from Zeus, and we are not Zeus. We're not Hermes. Just listen to the message. Don't think you know. Listen to the word. Listen to the message. So they're, throwing, they're tearing their clothes and they're shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to living God. So these things that you're doing right now is worthless and we're trying to free you from it. So just stop it and listen. The God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their way. And they're certainly experiencing that. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. So he's acknowledging the God of the heavens, the creator of the heavens and the earth. You know what? Even though he blessed Israel in a special way, he still blessed you guys as well by taking good care of you, giving you food and water and things you need to survive. In that way, in that sense, you have something in you that can know God. But you need to listen up. But even with these words, the people had difficulty keeping the crowd. Well, they, Paul Marsh, rather, had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Oh, what a debacle. Next one. So are you wondering why they don't quit? <laughs> I mean, talking about hard work. I wonder why Paul and Barnabas didn't quit. This is only the first journey. They made some others as well. In fact, they gave their whole life to it. And by the way, it gets uglier. How quickly being worshipped becomes being stoned. <laughs> okay, yeah, we want to worship you. We love you. That's one moment. And now the next moment here in verses 19-20, they changed wanted to kill him. So some, some of these Jews that came from Antioch and Iconium, there's like they're following their fan base. This is, the, this is the fan base you don't want following you. There's a word for it. Stalkers, maybe? I don't know. So the stalkers, they're chasing them from Antioch to Iconium. Now they're with them here. Um, so yeah, that's what they did. They stoned Paul. They went to kill him. And they did. Were effective. In fact, so effective that they thought he was dead. So they dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead. But that's a gift that keeps on giving, isn't it? 
You know what I'm saying? It's like, I want to give you good news. Yeah, we're going to kill you. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. And the next day he and Barnabas left for Derby. Guys, there's some things we need to be careful of. First of all, be careful. Don't worship people, okay? I think of celebrities, you know, and like how there's actually like YouTube sites and different sites that are dedicated to the decline of celebrities. Look at how fat this beautiful celebrity used to be. Remember how they used to have money, now they're poor? Remember how we used to love them, now we hate them? Remember how they were so perfect, but now they're all messed up? Remember how they used to be pretty, now they're ugly? There's actually websites and YouTube videos or channels that are dedicated to, to like you know, to, to, to point out how, how people we used to love and worship, how they're just so icky now. And in a sense, that's them stoning them. You know, it's, it's libel, isn't it? It's, it's, it's bringing another person and their name down, you know? So we, you know, oh, we even do it with religious people. Oh, this man of God. You know, we'll think about this man of God and how they do such wonderful things for Jesus. and They're so faithful. And we love it, especially when they come from our own town or village. Because we have a, you know, we have a connection to them. This man of God. But then what happens when they let us down? When they, I don't know, say, cheat on their wife. You know, and maybe divorce their wife and leave the family to go and, you know, pursue other fleshly things in, even in the name of the Jesus God knows, God understands. We want to kill them. We want to stone them. Why? Because we worship them. You put them in a pestle we never should have done. And by the way, these things I'm talking about aren't fictional. They're true. These things actually happen, by the way. So the first step is this. Don't worship people. Don't put them up on a pedestal. Realize that we're all sinners, which brings me to the second point. Don't stone people. Okay? Don't worship people and don't stone people. Remember that we're all sinners. You know what I'm saying? But the thing is, well, if we worship people, oh, that person, he's perfect. I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. And then they let you down. We're going to want to kill him. And we don't use stones nowadays. We use um, gossip. We use, you know, bitter hearts, you know, which just literally just cripple ourselves when we do that. So we don't worship people. Because if we stop worshiping people, they won't let us down when they mess up. And they will inevitably mess up. But instead, when people sin, rather than stoning them, we should restore them with compassion, love. Why? Because sin's harmful. Sin hurts the person, and it affects other people around them. So we want to restore people, not stone people. Next slide. And here's, here's the answer, guys, to the question, why didn't they quit? Because it's worth it. What they do, what they're doing, it's, it's worth it. It's worth their life. It's worth their time. It's worth their effort. Acts 14, 21 says this, and this is in Derby still. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystria, Iconium, and Antioch. Yes, those places they dusted their feet off. They left. Those places they were stoned at in a bad way. They left. But look, they went back. We thought that they just abandoned them altogether. Yeah, I'm not. No, they went back. Why did they go back? They were, why did they return to these places that they were, where these debacles happened, where they were killed and forced out? Why did they return? Because of this, in verse 22. They went to strengthen the disciples. Their job's not done, and they have a heart for the people of God. 
They want to strengthen them and encourage them to remain true to the faith. People need to be encouraged. And they don't want to leave them to just, just, you know, to cool off. They want to go back and continue to encourage them and strengthen them, even if it meant their lives. What kind of a person? And when I read this, I don't think of your youth missions trips. This is, this is a different kind of missions trip where you're willing to risk your life. You know, imagine, imagine moms and dads signing a waiver. Oh, I don't care if my son gets stoned. Cool. But make sure he returns to strengthen disciples. No, you wouldn't sign that. No, you're not going there, Johnny. You're staying here safe with me. We're going to our church where we're safe and we sing safe songs. You're not going on the missions trip where you're going to get killed. No, no. But Paul and Barnabas, they're a different kind of missionaries. They're willing to, to take it. The rest of their lives for the gospel. To what? To strengthen disciples who very likely might just walk away from them and reject them? To strengthen and encourage people who might just end up dumping Jesus in a couple years' time? They risk their lives for that? That's unbelievable. We must go through many hardships, he says, to enter the kingdom of God. Then Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them. Again, why do they appoint elders? Why do we need elders in the church? Because we need to be cared for. We need someone to turn to, to be prayed for. We need a system that works so we can be strengthened, encouraged, and built up. So they appointed these elders in these churches, and then they prayed for them, and they fasted, committed them to the Lord in, in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came into um, Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia. From Attilia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they started. Not the, ridge, not the Antioch up north, but the Antioch in Syria, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they completed. So now they're on the way back home, and they're back home in, in Antioch. That's where they started. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them, and how he opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Yeah, they needed a rest. Next slide, please. Um, and yeah, you know I love maps. So there you go. Have a map. Just to recap, this is this, this first mission trip. They started off in Antioch, went to Cyprus, the island. Stayed there for a little bit. And at this point, they had Timothy. But when they went up to the central Turkey or Asia Minor, Pamphylia, uh, in Perga specifically, they went there. And that's where Timothy bailed on. And we talked about that. But they went all through the area of Galatia, which is, you know, when Paul wrote the letter to the Galatians, he was talking to those people in Galatia. And that's where, you know, Antioch, Iconium, Lystria were, which we read about today. So there they are, traveling about, made a circle around Galatia, packed down to Pamphylia, and they sailed back home to Antioch where they got some well-needed rest. Let's finish with this last little bit of scripture, guys, in the next one. Here's Paul's mission summary of this mission we just read about in the last few chapters. Here's Paul's take on it as he was talking to Timothy, the young pastor. Timothy, he's encouraging him. This is what he said about the mission in 2 Timothy 3, verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystria, which is the things we just read about. He almost died. The persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. He put his trust and faith in God. If God wants me dead, 
I'm dead. If he wants me to be alive, I'll be alive, but I'm living for him. God rescued him through these trials. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And we've talked about this principle before plenty of times, guys. If you live for Jesus, you're going to be rejected because of your allegiance to Jesus. Jesus said that. If you follow me, you know, they persecuted me, certainly they're going to persecute you. You know, but blessed, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So if you want to live a really excellent life for God, and you want to follow him with your whole heart and your whole life, you want to just be devoted to him, be rest assured Satan's around to rip you off. While, on the other, on the other hand, evildoers and imposters... That's interesting. Evil doers, people who just do evil, and imposters. That's people who pretend, you know? I, I'm, I, I've got your best interest. I love God. But then they, all they do is they tear you away from God. Imposters, yeah. They go from bad to worse. They're in bad shape, guys. Nothing to envy about them. Deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, but as for you guys, listen, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Are you convinced of the things that we're reading about in the Bible? Well, hold them tight and continue in them. Don't let Satan rip these things away from you. Because he will try, and he's been very successful in many people's lives. Because you know those whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known, well, okay, not many of you have believed Jesus from your infancy. This isn't being very personal about Timothy, but we're trying to make it as personal as possible to ourselves. But, but for Timothy, he was very young when he first heard the Holy Scriptures. He first learned about Jesus, which are able to make you wise. So these things that we do as we read the Bible together on our own, in small home groups, in a church together, we do this. Why? Because you believe they're able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That's why we read our Bibles. All Scripture, so when we open our Bible and read it, we can rest assured that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, there's Timothy doing his job. There's Paul and Barnabas doing their job. Here's us, cornerstoners, doing our job. How do we stay strengthened and encouraged and fired up? We need to walk close with God. And one way to do it that we shall never forsake is reading his Bible with understanding. We want to read it because it's God-breathed. That's how we suffer through persecutions and sufferings. That's how we, that's how we get through it. It's because we trust that God will deliver us. 